Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special set of episodes for Art Drama Llama called The Llama Exclusive. We will still look beyond the galleries and dish on the art world's gossip, rivalries, and eccentricities, but we will also cover current events or other interesting things that are happening in the art world right now. My name is Vartika. I'm Sienda. And I'm Angie. And today we are going to look beyond the 70 million dollars in stolen relics by American billionaire. You're telling me an American billionaire stole relics? Um, like he didn't go out himself and steal them, but he did pay for stolen relics. Oh, I see. So kind of, I guess, uh, depending on the order this episode comes out in, um, I guess we were keeping the theme of uh, relics and museums that maybe shouldn't be there. Uh, so for this episode, I want to talk about an article by The Guardian called uh, uh, The U.S. Billionaire Surrenders 70 Million of Stolen Art and was published back in December 7th of 2021. Essentially, the article was about a man named Michael Steinhardt, who's an American hedge fund billionaire. So, you know, I thought this would be like pretty relative to you, Manchies, and aren't you like part of that world? The, the hedge fund world? Yeah, it involves banks, right? Yeah, sort of. Okay, do you deal with any of these people? Um, I'm too poor to deal with them. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think it's like, it's like people who are in finance, like even people I know who are working at hedge funds don't, are not this level, you know, like it, yeah, yeah. It's, um. To be a hedge fund manager is a, is a different beast. Um, and I think most of us plebs, even if we are working at a hedge fund, we'll, won't really ever get there. What a discrepancy. I know, right? Yeah. We're just the lowly servants to our, to still working for our capitalist overlords. Well, on that lovely note... <laughs> Not only was he a hedge fund billionaire, he was also the world, one of the world's largest collectors of ancient art. Within his collection, he was made to surrender 180 looted, legally smuggled antiques, which together were valued at 70 million if he didn't want charges to be pressed against him. So sadly, he, well, I don't know, I guess he got, I, I don't know to, to say like a slap on the hand, Cause that is a lot of money he had to return but then i'm like he's a billionaire so i mean it doesn't really matter to him but he didn't face any jail time or anything charges weren't really pressed because the deal was if he returned like these artifacts and you know yeah i guess what he really got was public humiliation uh but adding to that the manhattan district attorney's office placed a lifetime ban on him from ever being able to get any more relics again to which I'm kind of like, how do you place a ban like that on someone for purchasing anything specific? Like, are their computers, their phones, their banks, or like mailed forever monitored? Or I don't know. I'm don't sure know. there's some sort of like 
blacklist, you know, for well, that's that's what I was thinking. I was like, or like, you know, like the places where they would acquire these things. Yeah. Like are they are they informed? Are they like, okay, you see this, uh, this person and slash this name? Yeah, do not do business with them. Yeah, I see what you're saying because if he got looted art or relics to begin with, it's probably not from some sort of like safe institution. Which means, how is the government telling essentially black markets, don't do business with this guy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only way I guess I could see it is, and you'll, I'll tell you more about this. I guess like museums, not like accepting their artifacts or whatever. But then again, I'm like, well, it's already too late at that point because it has been purchased. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. From what I understood from the article, the key event that made Steinhardt be in the DA's radar happened back in 2014 when Professor Crystal Theragonis, former senior field archaeologist at the University of Cambridge and now associate professor at the Institute of Advanced Studies at the University of Aarhus in Denmark, identified a Sardinian idol that was put on auction by Steinhardt at Christie's in New York. He knew that it wasn't acquired through legal means because he found an image of that idol broken in pieces in the archive confiscated from Giacomo, Giacomo uh, Medici, a notorious and convicted antique dealer. And then through this incident, an official, an official investigation started in 2017 and uh, costs for 17 judicial order warrants to execute to be executed for the raids on Steinhardt's office and houses, yes, plural, houses, where it was found that the antiques were stolen from 11 countries and that at least 171 passed through traffickers, which in turn caused there to be a joint investigation with law enforcement in Bulgaria, Egypt, Greece, Iraq, Israel, Italy, Jordan, Lebanon, Libya, Syria, and Turkey. That's insane. I can't yeah. even believe they managed to get all these countries to work together. <laughs> but yeah, yeah honestly. Also, I had while reading this article, it was kind of funny because when they're talking about this professor, he's like, Yeah, man, like I've been like snitching on people since like forever. <laughs> like it obviously in professional terms, he's like, I've been informing the authorities and I've been like helping authorities identify stolen artifacts. But to me, I'm more like, oh, what a snitch. <laughs> I mean, I love that. I mean, it's like this Tumblr post I saw that was talking about how somebody was watching this art theft documentary and mm-hmm. they interviewed the professor who was part of like the FBI sting to uncover the art theft that was going on. And he was talking about like, how when he was there pretending to be a, a like a verif- verifier for the FBI who are pretending to be the buyers, um, he was like giving all of the criminals all this flack for not packaging the art piece correctly and stuff like that. And he like having the time of his life, essentially like berating the criminals for their lack of preparation. <laughs> okay, well, I'm kind of like, how was he not scared? Then they have gotten annoyed and like, shot him or something i guess so but it's like i kind of like i guess if you're just leaning into the professor persona then they don't really suspect anything right (laughs) 
guess. I don't know. Also, his name is out. Like, this guy, this professor that's snitching, his name is out there. And I'm like, these are very rich people. And I'm sure they have some not very great connections. Yeah. So I'm like, how is he not, like, I don't know, looking behind his shoulder constantly? Yeah. I see what you're saying. It's very for Hitman to find him. But I guess he's gone so big now that if something does happen, that the police would immediately look at all of the people he brought down, right? I can't attest to that. (laughs) What do you mean? Well, I don't know. I'm like, if if he has, if he's world known, I feel like the article would have said world known snitcher. (laughs) um but at the same time i'm kind of like i only found out about this because like my phone recommended me this article like it was like i I didn't hear any like art students or anything talk about this so like how big is he or i don't know maybe this is like a big article in like older people circles yeah it's a good question I mean, I'm surprised your phone recommended you this. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it, but it did. That's a, feels like a, feels a lot like a phone's listening to us. A what? Feels a lot like the phone is listening to us. Okay. Feels oddly suspicious. uh Well, it wasn't, it recommended to me like a long time ago and I just like bookmarked it. Oh, okay. I was like, this sounds like a cool podcast episode. And finally, we say good I mean, the way ads work, or the way these types of things work, the way you get recommended these types of articles is because you've searched something at some point, or like someone has searched something on your network that's related to this. So that's what, that's like one of the reasons why we think our phone is listening. But I mean, obviously, I can't attest to the fact that like, oh, maybe you just talked about it and it recommended it to you or something i those instances i think are really creepy but (laughs) when you do get recommended like ads or any articles or anything it's probably because you searched it on the on your network at some point somewhere or someone did in your household or like whichever network you're using i don't know they i learned about this in my marketing class you guys (laughs) So when the more you know, but when school actually, yeah, comes, if you just think about it, huh? When school finally comes into use. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think I've used more of my marketing degree, especially for this podcast. And I have like maybe other, most of the others I've learned um art history stuff in high school obviously i'm using here um wouldn't she or hello can you still hear me you are cutting a little bit in and out i'll just stop talking now (laughs) okay (laughs) just cut that part i guess i'll just shut the fuck up I'll make it work. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we'll just leave all that in. (laughs) Oh, she left. (laughs) She got kicked out. (laughs) 
Should I? Okay, let me know when she comes back and I'll, I'll read the next. Oh, letter. she's back. Okay. Just like that, Tika's back. She got over it. Guys, I'm back again. <laughs> I'm better than ever, yeah? Yeah, rage quit. <laughs> <laughs> she came to her senses. Yeah. Anyway, so once the antiques were surrendered, it was decided that they would return to their rightful owners instead of being held as evidence for the years necessary to complete a grand jury indictment and trial. So while that's a surprisingly pleasant ending to the story, I did find another article that talked about the artifacts that were on display in museums at the time the DA seized the ones that were in Steinhardt's office and houses. Uh, which made me realize that a lot of the time when reading or learning about these types of cases, I think that people that are like the people that are buying the artifacts are just keeping them in their house or private par- property. But no, if anything, these articles are out in the open, hiding in plain sight. It's just that they aren't being screened properly, I would say. Um, because according to a CTV News article titled Billionaire's Looted Art, which is related to this case specifically, some of the stolen artifacts that he had weren't like necessarily in his like offices or houses. They were in like museums, specifically on, this, uh, on display at the Israel Museum. Uh, there were currently three items in the, Israel, in the Israel Museum in Jerusalem to which the DA is claiming to be effectively seized in place, which I guess means it can stay on display until the proper authorities can come and take it away and, like, to their rightful owners. But there are also, like, 28 other items that are there that have to be also taken away. That aside, what I found interesting about this article is that not only was Steinhard one of the biggest patrons of the Israel Museum, but he had a bunch of the stolen artifacts put on display in this museum, like, before he was like, I guess, put on trial and all that. And it actually goes back before the 2014 um, professor snitching on him. Like in 2007, when he approached them with a 2,200-year-old Greek text carved into limestone to be put on display. And another expert noticed chunks of the text found a year earlier during a dig near Jerusalem fit the limestone slab soon after it was put on display, making it clear that Steinhardt's tablet came from the same cave where the other fragments were excavated. Or how in 2014, at the same year he got snitched on, eight Neolithic masks that were part of a big exhibition for the museum were loaned by Steinhardt. So having read that and seeing how he kind of not necessarily been snitched on, but you know, people had noticed that maybe the artifacts he had weren't acquired to the most legal of means. It kind of took, you know, years to kind of like have anybody do anything about it or like take it seriously, you know? So it made me wonder if museums are really that unprepared to check if something being loaned or donated to them was acquired through legal means, or are they just a little too willing to turn a blind eye? Making the words of Donna Yates, which she is a criminologist specializing in artifact smuggling at Maastricht University, they can really afford the public, they can't really afford the public embarrassment of constantly being linked to this kind of thing. 
because museums aren't wealthy and many of them hold a place of public trust. Kind of feel like a reality, reality check to museums everywhere. And she was part of the CTV News article. Yeah, I mean, I think it's tough because I personally don't think we can put a lot of blame on the museums because you have this wealthy hedge fund owner who is willing to display these amazing pieces of works or historical artifacts. And you can't just turn them away, right? Because that same hedge fund manager by loaning you the pieces, even if they were illegally acquired, means more people visiting the museum, which means more people buying tickets. And it also means that if you keep the billionaire happy, he might donate money down the line for you to grow the museum, right? So I think it's, I think it's tough to put the blame on museums because their incentive is to get more people to go out to see it and not to shut down, which I think we can all agree is probably a good thing to have, you know. Well, I don't know. I feel like this just unravels how complicated this issue is. Like, yeah, yeah, you make valid points, but at the same time, it's like, well, they wouldn't need these, like, wealthy people to be donating and stuff, or they were properly funded by the government. And then it goes into, like, a whole other other argument of, like, well, why are they funding this and not that? And then, you know, it just... Yeah. Yeah. It's a difficult... The arts is always a difficult space because it's Mm -hmm. at what point is it a public need and when it's not a public need you know, then they have to find alternative ways to essentially generate cash and revenue to support themselves. And they can't really afford to turn down billionaires, but, you know, the government can't necessarily afford to fund all these museums across the country, or, you know, even all the countries across the world don't necessarily have the money to be funding the arts at where they are at. Yeah, yeah. I uploaded the picture like at the end uh, mm-hmm. of the the Sardinian idol that kind of like put him on the radio of the DA's radar. Yeah. So I don't know. It kind of made me sad to look at how like because in the article they keep describing him as this man who like feverishly wanted like ancient artifacts, and I'm all like, uh, he really like paid so much just to own this artifact and (laughs) he did not care how it was like acquired or what condition it was it would be once it was in his possession yeah yeah I guess they don't really talk about his psyche but I wonder if he's doing it because he really loves relics and really likes to look at them and have them and own them or if he's doing it for status you know I feel like it's very much a status thing like oh I own this like not only expensive and valuable thing but rare mm-hmm. yeah one of a kind sort of almost mm-hmm. yeah I mean but I'm sure there's a, some certain some certain like prestige of like oh this goes back to like you know the start of humanity or something. Yeah. And I'm also sure he's getting prestige by saying my pieces are being shown at the museum, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm sure that 
also leans into the social standing aspect of it. Yeah, because I felt like if somebody truly loved the artifact, they wouldn't, you know, want to acquire it through any means possible because any means possible means, you know, it breaks, it chips, it's not handled right. properly. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So do, do we know where he looted them from besides the one he got from Giacomo Medici? Uh, well, in the CTV article, um, unlike the Guardian one, they kind of frame it to where he's not like essentially in direct contact with the smugglers, but you know, like, like he's in contact with somebody in those areas. Yeah. I'm just wondering like where the stolen, like whose art is being stolen? Is it from other private collectors? Is it from museums? Is it from governments? Like I'm kind of curious to know because you know, just to play devil's advocate, not that I think this is right, but to make Steinhardt an anti-hero, what if he's stealing all of this from private collections and then now we get to see them because he's having them loaned out to museums? I highly doubt that's the case. (laughs) Because he's a private collector, so I'm pretty sure nobody's breaking into a rich person's house to get these things. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like based on the CTV article, there might be like moles within like archaeologist groups. Mm-hmm. Because from one of the things he donated, the 2,200-year-old Greek text carved in limestone, another expert was like, whoa, I was like in an excavation that literally had this. Yeah. So clearly he got it from the same place. And it's like, oh, well, who would be there other than like you know other archaeologists yeah i see what you're saying they're like yeah. bounty, they're they're archaeologists but they're really bounty hunters they yeah go, they excavate and then they sell their findings to the highest bidder mm-hmm. or you know maybe they don't necessarily like break something off and then go sell it maybe they tell somebody like hey at this location at this time go to yeah this gate it'll be open i don't know gotcha that makes sense yeah yeah or same or same thing maybe it's not an archaeologist maybe like you know the same locals within an area like kind of stalk these archaeologists when they're doing one of their trips you know yeah and like hit the area when they like leave or whatever Mm -hmm. so i don't know there's a lot of factors and I feel like it's an interesting, like, thing to look at how all this, like, I guess, criminal underworld really works. Yeah. Yeah, and how the elite are part of it. <laughs> it feels like yeah. Because <laughs> I'm sure if, like, their houses were being, like, broken into for their artifacts to be stolen, we would hear about it. Yeah, we would hear about it. But looted stuff from archaeologists, archaeological sites, we would never know about because nobody would ever report on that. Or I feel like it would be reported like locally, not like internationally. Yeah, but yeah, I think even locally it's hard. Yeah. Also, I feel like getting looted like ancient sites is now like people have been desensitized to it. So it's not yeah. like, oh, it's part of the deal. Yeah, it just happens. It's mm-hmm. inevitable. 
So that's yeah. all for me. Uh, the story just makes me really sad for museums and really sad about the state of archaeology. <laughs> Maybe I'm generalizing there, but um, and it just makes me so curious as to like, you know, like I think you can spend seventy million dollars doing other things besides collecting stolen goods, essentially. Well, who knows? I feel like when you're that rich, you're just like bored and trying to feel something. Yeah. Well, I really hope, guys, I'm going to make a pact right now. If I ever get that filthy rich, which I really doubt it, you guys slap me in the face if I ever start going down this path of buying looted goods. Will we be able to get that close? <laughs> of course. We'll still be doing our drama long. Oh my gosh, Nancy. <laughs> then we'll have enough cash to throw and make it big. Okay, okay. We'll yeah. make it a TV series. Yeah, exactly. Well, thanks for thanks for talking about this, Sandra. Appreciate the insight on this article. But as always, if you, the audience, have any stories you would like for us to cover, you can email us at artdramalama at gmail.com. And you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and most importantly, Patreon at artdramalama. And lastly, thank you for joining us. And we hope we can continue looking beyond the galleries with y'all next time. Bye, llamas. Peace.